Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Rebecca Ferguson with Get Happy and a jaunty version too. Hi, this is me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM with Jazz Shapers. And Jazz Shapers, you will know, I hope, is the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. Alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper, a business giant. And I'm very pleased to say my business giant today is Peter Scott. Peter Scott is one of the co-founders of one of the most successful advertising agencies through the 80s and the 90s called WCRS. He then went on to co-found the fantastic group of communications and digital and marketing businesses called the engine group and if that wasn't enough he's gone and done it again he's just created a um, business that's going to be focused on all things digital and it's going to be called the be heard group in fact it is called the be heard group you'll be hearing lots from peter very shortly in addition to hearing from peter you'll be hearing some words of advice for your business from our program partners at mishkondorea and on top of all of that if it isn't going to be enough for you in this run-up to christmas we're going to have some great music from the shapers of jazz blues and soul including lisa bassange stacy kent and this from the man himself it's blue eyes frank sinatra and he would have been a hundred today Summer wind came blowing in from across the sea. The properly inimitable sound of Frank Sinatra with Summer Wind. Make sure you stay with us here on Jazz FM because after me at 10 o'clock, Nigel Williams will be doing a two-hour celebration to the man himself. We're going to have dedications, we're going to have interviews and, of course, live music as well as some pre-recorded stuff from the good old Mr Frank Sinatra. Peter Scott's my business shaper today, as I said, and he's founded not just one, not just two, but three at least, and there's probably more in the woodwork. We'll find out in due course. Um, a bit of an empresario. He's been described in the advertising world, apparently, as the boldest of deal makers, as well as an advertising veteran. Well, I can say, looking at this rather sprightly figure in front of me, he looks like an advertising youth. Um, Peter, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I'd love it to be here. And, uh, it, you know, I love Jazz FM and uh, I've listened to your programs before, so it's a delight to be invited to share Saturday morning with you. Fantastic. Now, your history in the, and it's an ongoing one, you're still writing it in the advertising world. There's, very, there's a handful of people that have done what you have done, truthfully. Um, you've invented the agency WCRS with your partners at the time, back in the, the late 70s. You created a, what was kind of first of breed, if you like, of an integrated group of companies back in, I think it was 2004, around then, uh, around that time. And you're doing it again. Um, tell me a little bit about how you got into this crazy world called advertising. And now, of course, it's not called just advertising, but just tell me a little bit about how it all started. Well, I think the ad business has always been for waifs and strays who can't really find out what they should be doing in life. And I was one of those. Uh, I bounced around between insurance. I became a 
quantity surveyor without knowing what that was meant to be. And then I ended up in the post room or in the production side uh, of an agency called Everett's. And I used to wrap blocks and send them off to the media for printing the next day. And the great thing about advertising, it's a, it's, it's a meritocracy. If you're prepared to work hard, if you're prepared to learn, then people respect what you do and how you do it. And that was the beginning. And I just put in more hours than other people, and I was more determined than other people, and I took on more work than other people. I learned on the job, and I kept going. And one day, Ogilvy asked me to go and start an agency for them in Scotland, and I was still in short trousers. But wow, somebody said, go up there, start an agency on our money, and learn how to start a business. Well, kids don't get that sort of opportunity, but they gave me that opportunity. And that, I guess, spurred my a desire, and it's a, it's an unquenched desire to keep starting businesses. I love starting businesses. I love building businesses, and here we are, third time around, trying to get it right the third time. And that first time around, and you you know, as you said, young people don't get off of those uh, chances unless they're good enough. And then there's that old quote: if you're if you're good enough, you're old enough, sort of thing. The fa- the founding, the other founding partners, um, Ron Collins, Andrew Rutherford, and Robin White, um, famous names in their own right. How did the four of you come together to decide that you would create this biz- business? Well, I was the account man from Central Casting. I think the creative guys went off and they just cast looking for a decent account man. The truth is that Robin kept ringing me. I was managing director of a, a subsidiary of YNR. And I kept getting these messages from a PA saying, Robin White would like to have lunch with you. And I didn't know Robin from Adam. Robin White would like to have lunch with him. Robin died. Finally, I succumbed to having lunch with Robin. And it was like a first date. He wanted to go to bed on the first date. I think we should start an agency together. I said, hello, my name's Peter Scott. Yes, but we should start an agency together. I said, what do you mean we should start an agency together? Why do you mean? So that was the beginning of it. And so we started and we thought about it. And then we found Ron and Andrew who were working together. One was at college, one was at Saatchi, but they were doing some freelance work together. And over about 18 months, we spent time together. We played tennis. We went away for weekends. And we thought, yeah, finally, let's go do it. And we did it when the Labour government was still in power. So it was a tough time. Thatcher came in quite soon afterwards. But it was always three famous names and the guy from Central Casting. (laughs) At the beginning, the company was to be called White Scott Collins Rutherford in the order which we came. Then there was the Creative Rebellion from Collins and Rutherford, who decided that it should be all the creative names together with Scott at the end. So White Collins Rutherford Scott was abbreviated to White Collins. Rutherford and Scott then rebelled against that and said, we're not going to be dropped, so let's call it WCRS. But it worked. You know, They were outstanding at what they did. And they didn't know what I did because I was the account man who did all the things they didn't understand. But it worked pretty well. Stay with me to find out how the man from Central Casting called Peter Scott went on to do some fantastic things in the crazy world of advertising. Time for some music. And appropriately, this is Off the Wall. Uh, not from Michael Jackson, but a great version from Cyril Aimé. When the world is on your shoulder Gotta straighten up your act and boogie down If you can't hang with the feeling Then there ain't no room for you this part of town Cause we're the party people night and day Living crazy, that's the only way So tonight Gotta leave that night 
That was Off the Wall from Cyril A. May. And Peter Scott is my business shaper, as you've been hearing. Now, you, at World of Advertising, many people that are not in it won't know what an account man does. Um, I recall when I started in the World of Advertising, my mother didn't. And, I, and many people listening, I said, may not. Ex- explain your own words kind of what it looks like to be the account man that has then become the impresario that's then set up businesses and done again and so on and so forth because it goes to the very heart of what I would guess is your craft skill Well I think the, the, in the old days the account guy was the glue between creative, between media between production, between clients so we were the acceptable face of advertising and we presented work, we presented media plans, we smoothed troubled waters. We tried to find compromise between the unreasonable demands and rejections of clients and the unreasonable demands and appeals of creative guys and then media who said, you can't make all that happen. We haven't got the money to do it. So we were trying to find ways through a very difficult maze, a very complicated maze. And you learn a whole series of skills. You're you're a peacemaker, you're into arbitration, you're into anger management, you're into rejecting work and ideas and thoughts that you don't think have got a hope in hell of working, but you're trying to reject it in a way that isn't going to destroy egos or get you killed on the spot. And there were moments when you thought you were going to be killed on the spot. So it's, it was a varied role. Then you get into new business and then you start to learn about running businesses. And these are not complicated businesses. You have income, you have overhead, and you've got to try and keep the income above the overhead and you've got to manage your cash flows and all the other things. So you learned on the job. And you, 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 there isn't a school for account management. There's a school for business brains. There's a school for learning lots of other things. But it's not something where you can go out and qualify to become an account man. It's just a skill that you evolve in the, in, in the context of the, the business in which you're, you're operating. Now, in the context of the business in which you were operating, um, you decided to buy a company quite early doors. I think you bought a media agency. When you're buying a company just as, a, as, as a, you know, your first time... <laughs> What do you think, Peter? I mean, where do you go for advice? Where did you go? Because you're going, well, I kind of know that's going to work. I need one of those. And then what? You're still young. I mean, you're still a very young man running a bigger and bigger business. How, how did that work for you? Well, we, at WCRS, we, we became a public company when we were in short trousers. We were three and a half, four years old. And it just seemed like a fun thing to do. There was no great uh, strategic vision. The, the markets were booming And it seemed a way of just crystallizing a bit of value, having some paper and having a bit of fun. And the regulations weren't as nasty as they they are now. You could get away with doing things. And we had a lot of fun doing it. And then we went out and people people kept saying, you should use your paper. You should use your paper. Uh, What does that mean? Well, it means that your paper is highly rated. So your currency and your shares means that you can then buy companies which are cheaper to buy because your currency is rated at this this level and they're, they're company is rated at a level beneath you. So you've got the arbitrage between buying at this price and then consolidating in and lifting the whole thing. Well, that sounds like a good idea. (laughs) So you sit with your stockbrokers and you sit with your investment bankers and you sit with your lawyers. And half the time you have no idea what it is they're talking about. You just know it's a very expensive discussion. But you find a business that you think is going to fit. You understand whether or not that business is solid, whether or not the clients are robust, whether or not the people are motivated. And then you try to find ways of putting it together. And if you go back to the 80s when all this began, all of the creative agencies went public. Uh, uh, Low Howard Spink went public. Gold Greenlee's Trot went public. One after the other, Amit Mead went public. Uh, and we all were into the same game. We were all trying to build something outside the pure advertising agency. And a lot of those brands disappeared. 
after the stock market crash of 87 and then into, into the early 90s, there was consolidation. So you learn on the job and you can make some dreadful mistakes along the way, as everybody has. Reassuringly, it sounds just as um, messy as I thought it might have been. That's good. <laughs> Lots of will come up from my business shaper, uh, Peter Scott, but uh, latest travel is going to be in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Uh, hello, my name's Greg Campbell. I'm a partner in the employment department at Mishkondorea. I've been practising in employment law for 20 years now. And at Mishkondorea, we act for an interesting range of clients. Unusually for an employment department, we act both for senior executives and for corporate employers. So we get an interesting view of both sides of the employment relationship. The most important thing in any employment relationship is to have clarity of communication. Most of the problems I see come from people either communicating badly or not at all. Uh, Most fundamentally, you see this where people work with their friends or with people they grow to like, and then a problem comes up and they're too afraid to deal with it. The only thing I can tell you is that a problem ignored gets worse and worse and worse until it explodes in a complete disaster for the organisation. If there is an itch, scratch it. Do not wait for things to become so bad that you have to amputate the limb. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning through 2015, towards the end of it. And here's a bit of news through 2016 as well. You can catch um, me talking to someone who's shaping the world of business. If you miss this programme at 9am and you're listening to this on a playback, you can also listen on cityam.com. That's another place for you and it will continue to be so in 2016. Peter Scott's my business shaper, three times round a founder um, and very happy with it too. And we were just talking earlier about... Well, you know, it was uh, we went public and we seem to have a bit more leverage over there. We arbitrage the difference. We bought a company. I mean, it sounds just like someone's going down to the shops to pick up a newspaper. Obviously, it was a little bit more complicated than that. You took a break, didn't you? I mean, at some point, was it because you just needed to refresh? Was it because you... you, you I mean, what was going on in your head at that particular so point? So, really, I, I had one thing in common with Robin's three wives, which is after about 12 years of living with Robin, you have to have a break. <laughs> and so I left the industry and I left Robin. I divorced Robin. And then after 10 years out of the industry, I had a niche. And so I went back and I said to Robin, all right, it's time we made up. Why haven't you brought the business back from the French? He said, oh, well, I don't know how to do it. And I said, well, shall I come and do it? And shall we see if we can make it work? And so I got back in in that way. When I left the industry, I didn't think I'd go back. I did lots of other things, but I didn't think I'd go back. But it is a fun industry and you're dealing with very bright people. And it's a great place to spend your, your time. Uh, it's a great industry to be in. It, there are daily challenges which you can't predict there is fun to be had there is work to be done there are pressures there are disappointments there are the joys of winning business there's the eternal your three phone calls from disaster three clients ring up and for whatever reason the business is out of the door but it's a great place to be so i i just decided it was in my blood and i needed to go back and and the way you describe it means that all those things that other people listening may go three calls away I can't do that I got to, I mean those problems you seem to be not just unflappable but you seem to want to go to the fire and I imagine that's been part of your success because just looking at you it's not just that you're steely it's that you're very calm about it this isn't there isn't much bravado about you Peter one of the great things about Robin uh, and Robin is an extraordinary talented entertaining 
infuriating individual. But in the very early days, when we we'd won four or five or six pieces of business, and we came to the moment when we lost our first piece of business, it was Brutus Jeans, and they fired us without really telling us why they fired us. And we were all in despair. And as we lined up on the window ledge about to jump, Robin was running around going, wait, 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 before you jump, instead of Brutus, we'll get Levi's. If BMW go, we'll get Mercedes. And one by one, we came off the ledge and went, oh, yeah, he's probably, yeah. And then you just get on and do it. So it's a business where it's not linear. You can't simply sit there and expect that every year you're going to grow by 25%. Every year you're going to win creative awards. It is competitive. It's in the nature of the industry to be competitive, to win business, to want to do better work. And if that's in your blood, you take the knocks as they come along and you dust yourself up and you pick yourself up and you're back in the ring for the next round. And that's, that's part of what we love. And I'd imagine anyone who wants to set up any business needs to have that kind of attitude as well. Time for some music. This is Stacey Kent with The Delightful Tangerine. Stacey Kent, I promise you it'd be delightful, and it was. Um, Peter, we were talking about that dusting off and that getting on again. The other side, of course, to this coin is vision. And back then at the early in the early 2000s, you said we need a more integrated approach, not just you, but the people that decided to set up this engine group, which was a number of companies delivering on a number of fronts for the emerging and burgeoning needs of clients as they enter in this new age of, of digital and, and all sorts of more connected communications. When you're coming up with a vision, how does one sort of view it. I mean, for you, it may have been obvious, but looking back, if you had to disaggregate the pieces that went into that decision to set up into an integrated business, what was going on for you? How did you see those trends? Well, if you if you looked at when we bought WSRS back from Havas, WSRS was not really fit for purpose. It was an old-fashioned ad agency that still thought that they were the most important part of the client relationship and decision-making. They'd forgotten that media buying had gone. And so the big checks weren't going to the creative agency. The big checks were going to the media buyers. Well, guess where the decisions are being made? The big big checks are going to the right, and the decisions are being influenced more by the people who get the big checks than the creative guys who get the small checks. And so it wasn't fit for purpose. And you needed to look and think about the changes that were happening. Now, in 2004, when we bought the business out, the dot-com era had come and gone. It had been boom and bust. Social media didn't exist. There were a few kids in chinos doing interesting things. But we just saw disaggregation happening. And we said, this is fragmenting too much to make sense for clients. They've suddenly got not five or six consultancies and agencies. They've got 15 or 25. And everybody's saying, listen to me. Give me more money. It's my idea that's going to work better than their idea. It was herding cats. So we thought if we can begin to build something which keeps the brands alive, allows clients to work in a narrow brand in one vertical or to work across a series of verticals, but they see that people like each other, that they want to work in the interests of the client, they're not getting their arms around revenue and retaining that and not looking in the client's interest but looking what's in their interest, there has to be a different way of doing it. And it evolved from that early idea, and as we bought more businesses and we brought them into the same building and we evolved our culture, it became... Uh, a really refreshing and different place to be. And others have now replicated what, what 
uh, we set up in the engine group, but we started that journey 10, 11 years ago. And inevitably, if it's successful, you're going to have lots of imitators out there. Uh, we enjoyed what we were doing, and it's it's built into a good and a good sized group now. Now, the, the imitation, if you like, is of course a, a recognition that this is, a, is the right place to go. But over the course of the years of your career, and as you now are thinking about this next venture, have you ever had cause to really deeply question your own judgment versus kind of worrying in the normal way that you've made the right decision? And if so, how have you come through that moment? Because otherwise, you wouldn't be human, would you? No, and, but I, I, a lot of other people will question my judgment, and that's a good and healthy way to be. I mean, in some ways, I think that if you enjoy uh, having vision, if you enjoy setting out with different horizons in mind, you, you do get sometimes detached from the pack. And the analogy that I would use is if you say to, if I said to half a dozen people, would you like to go, would you like to learn how to rock climb or to climb a mountain? They go, yeah, that's terrific. If on the first day I take them to the base of the Eiger, the north face of the Eiger, and I say, well, this is what we're going to do, and I start scampering up, I get sort of, you know, 500 metres vertical, and I, they've all buggered off back to the pub. They're going, we're not going to go up there with you. So what you've got to do is take them to the highlands of Scotland first and do a few days of acclimatisation. And then when you get to the base of the Eiger, they go, woo, and you go, yes, but you can do this. You can do this if we work together and if we're as a team. And suddenly they find that they can do it. So you've got to stay in touch with the people that you're bringing along and not get too far ahead in terms of being a visionary or somebody who's uh, setting out a different strategy. But others are there to, to provide checks and balances. I, I don't think any of us are infallible. We all make mistakes. We need to learn from those mistakes. Sometimes you do things too quickly. Sometimes you make assumptions which are ahead of the time, and therefore you are just too far ahead of the game, and people can't see how the, you can link those things together. And um, you know, I think Engine was a terrific business. It evolved out of WCRS. It, we took it to the States. It was a private company. It lacked the ability to finance its own growth because we, we weren't a public company. And so that was a constraint. And now it's in others' hands and they will fund that growth at the level that it needs going forward. My final chat's come out with Peter um, very shortly. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Lisa Bassange. That's after the latest Traffic and Travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Lisa Bassange with the rather well-known Riders on the Storm. Um, Peter, we've been talking about all sorts of stuff, and you sound eminently sensible, and you, you obviously have a cool head because um, some big decisions have happened. You've, As you said, you've been invested in, you've sold, you've taken a break, you've gone back and remarried, remarried the man you swore you'd never remarry in Robin <laughs> White, um, and you're still going. What is it that drives you? Um, because this new venture, the Be Heard Group, is, is going to be exciting, I'm sure, but... In your, in, you don't probably don't need. And I have no idea your financial situation, but I imagine you probably don't need to go out and set up another business. What's making you do it? it it's very simple. I, I just love a challenge. I love it when people say you can't do something. I'm, I'm a great one for skiing. I love climbing. I love skinning. I love going out with a guide. But if we skin up a mountain for three or four hours and we get to the top, 
and he says, well, all we're going to do now is ski down, then I'm disappointed. If when we get to the top and we're absolutely knackered, he goes, tomorrow, we're going to do that one over there. And you go, oh, wow, bang. I just need a challenge every morning when I get up. I've got to have it, and this is my next one. And in terms of living with that, and I mean people that work with you, um, and it could be personally as well, it sounds like, yes, it's insatiable, but it doesn't sound out of control. I mean, it's an addiction of sorts, isn't it, wanting to do the next challenge? But how do you manage that from a being a decent guy perspective? Because you seem a decent guy. Well, you've got to ask my wife. I, will, I was going to say, how, what would your wife I, really I think <laughs> at times I can be absolutely unbearable because I do get a little obsessive about something and then you're into tunnel vision and that's the only thing which is driving you. And you need people to bring you back into the real world and to check you and to say, oi, wrap you across the knuckles, kick you in the shins and bring you back down to earth. And my wonderful wife, Jan, uh, we've been married for 35 years, uh, is a great professional at being able to do that. She keeps me in check. If she didn't, I imagine we, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. You'd have probably gone wild and feral many years ago. <laughs> Peter, it's been an absolute privilege, uh, privilege uh, chatting to you today and really good luck um, with the new venture. Just give me the headline in the new venture. What's it, in five years, what are people going to be saying about the Be Heard group? What in five years are people going to be saying about the Be Heard group? I think they, I hope they'll say, they filled a market need. They saw a gap. They, they sensed an opportunity. They brought together some extraordinary businesses, clustered them in a certain way. And to our surprise, there is a really strong contender out there as a mid-market group uh, operating in the digital space uh, uh, and filling a gap which the, the majors just aren't fulfilling at the moment. Well, good luck, and I hope that's what we will say. Maybe I'll get you back in, uh, in, in 2020, as it will be. Good Lord. Um, thank you so much. Tell, just before I let you go, um, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? The song choice is Roberta Flack, first time ever I saw your face. Why have I chosen it? I've chosen it because it's my song for Jan. Uh, we've been married 35 years, but we've been married four times. We get married every 10 years. We remarry every 10 years. And this is the music from the very first time all the way through. So it's everything that we are together. And here it is, especially for you. That was Roberta Flack with First Time Ever I Saw Your Face. The song choice of my business shaper today, Peter Scott. A clear thinking man, absolute clarity about what he needed to do at any specific time during his fantastic career so far. A visionary, someone who spotted the market and what it needed before it even knew and he's at, then went on and delivered it. And he delivered it because he's an operator, someone who really knows how to bring people together around a problem to solve. And finally, and really importantly in the world of entrepreneurialism, someone who is utterly insatiable has an insatiable appetite for a challenge. He just can't keep himself away from the next one. Fantastic stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am here on Jazz FM for another edition of Jazz Shapers. And coming up next, as I said, it's a Frank Sinatra special with Mr Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mish Rea. It's business, but it's personal.